0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey May So today I'm going to give you an update on the NFL. I just recorded an update on the MLB just about 10 minutes ago. Now I'm going to give you guys an update on what's going on in the National Football League With two big signings over the last couple days, the Jets signing running back Dalvin Cook and the Patriots signing running back Ezekiel Elliott. I'm going to give you my thoughts on both of those signings. Then I'll talk about the Giants and Lions game from last Friday. I'll preview the Giants game for this Friday, probably an episode tomorrow. And then I'll give you guys some other NFL preseason news as well. So let's start off with the Dalvin Cook signing to the Jets. It's a bigger signing, in my opinion, than Ezekiel Elliott since I think Cook has more left in the tank than Zeke does at this point in their careers. Cook signed a one-year deal up to $8.6 million with the Jets. He wanted to be a Jet and also did say he wanted to play with Aaron Rodgers. So even if the Patriots did offer him more money, it is likely he still would have chosen New York. It came down to the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. Miami was a team that was the favorite right away when he was let go by the Minnesota Vikings. It ends up being the Jets that find a deal with him one year up to $8.6 million. He's still a very productive and dynamic back. He had a 53 and an 81-yard rushing touchdown last season, so he still has speed and has game-breaking ability. 53 yards and an 81-yard rushing touchdown last year, and then also did add in a 64-yard receiving touchdown as well. He put in all 17 games last season for the Vikings, stayed healthy the entire year. Something he has struggled with in the past is injuries, but he was healthy all of last year, playing 17 games, 1,173 rushing yards, 8 rushing touchdowns, and 2 touchdown receptions. Also adding in a 1,000 rushing yards in four straight seasons. The Jets' offense is ready to roll, so now adding in Cook just makes them even better. Their skill positions are elite if you look at what they have at running back and wide receiver. They're very deep, and also Aaron Rodgers a quarterback. But I think their offensive line could be an issue, as alluded to by head coach Robert Saller and Hodnox. It seems like the offensive line is something that could hold them back from getting to where they want to. I still think they're going to be a good team, though, nevertheless. At quarterback, you have Aaron Rodgers. Running back, you have Brees Hall. Delvin Cook, and Michael Cotter. And then at wide receiver, you have Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Alan Lazad, Randall Cobb, and Michael Hodman. That's a deep wide receiver room as well, even though you really only have one wide receiver one there in Garrett Wilson. You have some good wide receiver twos and threes there, some speed threats, in Corey Davis and Michael Hodman. And then at tight end, you have Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama. So that's a pretty deep skill position group there for Aaron Rodgers to work with. And when you add a guy like Dalvin Cook to your offense, it makes it even better. Even if Dalvin Cook's the RB2 there and Brees Hall's still the RB1, that offense is ready to cook and it's ready to go, obviously. And if you look at the way the Jets have performed in years past, they really haven't had that deep of a wide receiver room or running back room in the last few years. They haven't had that talent on offense at either one of those positions, and now they have it. And have Aaron Rodgers to go with it. So the Jets offense is ready to go. It's just the offensive line that could be an issue for them. And I did watch Hyde Knox episodes one and two. I watched them both yesterday. It seems like that's what Robert Saller is most worried about. He's most worried about the offensive line for the Jets. He's all over them in practice and in meetings saying they need to be better. And if we want to get to anywhere this season, the offensive line has to be better and help out the guys up front because you can have all the skill position players in the world that are the best of their position at wide receiver, running back, whatever it may be. You can have the best quarterback in the league. But if you don't have the offensive line, it doesn't help at the end of the day. If you don't have the offensive line that can go with the running back, wide receiver, and quarterback, and it can not be complimentary and help out then that's an issue, and it's definitely going to hold the Jets up if the offensive line can't perform this year. But the Jets' offensive line did play pretty well in their preseason game this weekend against Carolina Panthers where they won the game 27-0. The Jets had 333 yards on offense. Carolina only had 165. Zach Wilson performed very well. He's been balling, and I said that having Aaron Rodgers as an example and a guy to look up to in the quarterback room could help him. And I did say as well last week that Zach Wilson's too talented to completely give up on. I still think he's a chance to start elsewhere in his career at some point. And he looked very good. In their preseason game against Carolina, 14 of 20 passing, 123 yards, a touchdown, looked very calm in the pocket, had a lot of poise, and you can tell the pressure's off him now with him being the backup quarterback. They're not really asking too much of Zach Wilson, and it's obviously showing in his game. He's playing fearless and just going out there and balling, not really thinking much. And when you have the backup quarterback position that Zach Wilson has, and you're really just learning from Aaron Rodgers, that's the best of both worlds. It seems like Aaron Rodgers is a better teammate, especially with what I've seen in Hot Knocks. It seems like he's a better teammate than you'd expect especially with him saying to guys like Beckton Becton, like, hey, let's get lunch this week, let's talk. Rodgers is really trying to form a relationship with everybody on the team, it seems like. He's trying to develop a relationship with offensive linemen, wide receivers, running backs, all his teammates, he's teasing them in practice, whatever it may be. It seems like he's really enjoying his time in New York, and I think at the end of the day, He loves being in the spotlight. I think you saw that in Green Bay, a lot of his interviews and stuff. He likes having the attention on him, but I think New York's the best place for him with all the spotlight that he's going to get. At the end of the day, I think Hod Knox was great for him as well. It seems like he's really enjoying it. He's talking to the voice of Hod Knox as well during practice in the last episode. You can really tell he's enjoying the experience of being a New York Jet, and obviously he's going in there with expectations to win a Super Bowl. So we'll see what the Jets do this season, but I like what I've seen in Rodgers as a leader. It seems like he's a better teammate than you'd expect. And I think the best part of Hard is that you get a look at what every player is like outside of the game. So you get to see Sauce Gardner graduating from the University of Cincinnati. You see him talking to fellow classmates. You get to see players drive to practice. You get to see Garrett Wilson on the way to practice talking about this upcoming season and what it's like to play with Aaron Rodgers. I think that's really cool to see players talk about their lives and you get to see them outside of the game of football. You also get to see them inside the quarterback room and talking about whether or not a certain play is going to be a run play or a pass play. You got to see Zach Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Chris Strebler all going at it, Tim Boyle saying, okay, this is going to be a run play, this is going to be a pass play. It's good to see that camaraderie between players. You get to see them really debating and you get to see them all obviously gelling together as teammates. And they also... We're running over film of no-look passes between Rodgers and Zach Wilson. They were comparing the two of them. It's really cool to see players interact the way they do in hard knocks. You also get to see the coaches as well. Robert Sala was furious of the Jets' offensive line. And once again, I agree with him. I think they need to be better. I thought it was cool to see him really talking to the team and saying, hey, this is where we need to improve if we want to get to the place that we want to get to. You also get to see them interact as teammates in team activities, which I think is probably the best part of Hot Knocks. I'd say that's the best part right there, is seeing the team interact during the rookie comedy show or in the last episode, the magic show, that really builds team morale and team chemistry. When everybody's watching the magic show together and they're keeping their eyes on the magician and watching the certain cod tricks or whatever it may be, everybody's laughing together. That does build team morale. I think that's the best part of Hot Knocks. And seeing the team gel, it's the off-season season Obviously, they're playing preseason games, but at the end of the day, it's not the real season yet. It's not regular season. You get to see players relaxed, starting to build relationships and starting to build a culture in the locker room. So one last thing I want to mention here about the Jets before I move on is a play that stood out to me between hard knocks and in their preseason games. And that's rookie running back Israel Abanaconda. And he's looked great in the preseason for the Jets. He's actually a Brooklyn, New York native just 20 years old, was a fifth-round pick in this year's draft out of the University of Pittsburgh, was first-team All-ACC last year as a running back, and he's looked great in the preseason. In their last game against Carolina, he had 12 carries for 56 yards and three catches for 31 yards. I think he ends up making the team as the fourth running back with Brees Hall, Davin Cook, and Michael Carter's as the first three. Then he rounds out that running back room. That's a very deep running back room there with four very talented backs, four guys who could definitely get carries on a lot of teams in the NFL. So now I'm going to switch gears and talk about the Patriots who just signed Ezekiel Elliott to a one-year deal worth up to $6 million. And a lot of people look at this deal and they say, okay, does this make a difference in where you think the Patriots are going to finish in the division? And my answer is no. I still think the Dolphins and Jets are going to be the top of the division, whether it's the Jets at one or the Dolphins at one, the other team's going to be at two. I think the Bills finish in third. I think the Patriots finish in fourth. A lot of people are going to say, how are the Bills finishing in third? I think the Bills, every single year for the last three years, have had expectations to win the Super Bowl and they've lost in the division around two straight years. So now it brings into question, what if Stephon Diggs gets upset at them continuing to lose and be upset so early in the playoffs? What if he wants out at some point? And I talked about it on my radio show at the end of last season, during the NFL offseason, right at the start of it, I said, I think at some point Stephon Diggs is going to want out from Buffalo. With him being upset, with the way that they finished the last two years in the playoffs, with them going in with expectations with the Super Bowl and then ending up falling short, winning only one playoff game in each of the last two years, he's going to be upset Whether they lost in the first round or in the Super Bowl, when you lose at the end of the day, a loss is a loss. But it's in the fashion that they're losing. They're losing only winning one playoff game and not making the run that they know they can make. So I think this season, the Bills, once again, going in with expectations to win the Super Bowl. I didn't really believe in them last year. I'm not going to really believe in them the same this year either. I think... They're more of a pretender than a Super Bowl contender at the end of the day. I still think they're going to be a good team. They're going to make the playoffs. They'll be making the playoffs in my predictions, but I don't see them winning the Super Bowl this season. They lost in the division around two straight seasons, even with one of the best offenses in the game of football in each of the last two years. And I think with the expectations going into this year, I think Bills fans and fans that are betting on the Bills to win the Super Bowl are going to be upset yet again with the outcome of this season. I think Josh Allen needs Stephon Diggs to be locked in, especially with how good Josh Allen became with Stephon Diggs. Every Top quarterback needs a top wide receiver. That's just a reality. And once Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs, he looked like a different quarterback. He looked like a different quarterback. Joe Burrow gets Jamal Chase, and all of a sudden, he's a top quarterback in the NFL. Now, I'm not saying these quarterbacks wouldn't be good without their top receivers, but having a top receiver definitely makes a big difference. And obviously, Joe Burrow has two top receivers in Jamal Chase and T. Higgins. Patrick Mahomes had Tyree Kill for years and still has Travis Kelsey as a top target. Jalen Hurts has A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith two game-changing wide receivers. Justin Herbert has Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Josh Allen has Stephon Diggs. So if Allen were to lose Stephon Diggs at some point, that would be the worst-case scenario for him. It would definitely have a negative effect on their championship contending window that they're in right now. We'll see what happens with the Bills. I'm going to give you guys my four predictions in just about a week or so where I'll break down every team in the NFL and give you my win and loss record predictions. But I have the Bills finishing third in the division this year in the AFC East. I think the Dolphins and the Jets are both better. And I think even though the Bills have high expectations right now in a lot of people's eyes to win the Super Bowl, I think this year could be another disappointing end to the season for the Buffalo Bills. They'll still make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to reach the Super Bowl like everybody has thought for the last couple seasons. So I know I got further away from what I wanted to talk about there. I wanted to talk about Ezekiel Elliott signing with the Patriots. And my question was, does it change where I think the Patriots are going to finish in the division? And the answer is no. And obviously, I just went obviously on a tangent there talking about the Buffalo Bills and where I think the Jets and Dolphins stand in the division. But just to get back on track here and talk about the Patriots, with Zeke Elliott signing with the Patriots, I think that takes some pressure off of Ramondre Stevenson, who's a lead back for the Pats coming into this year. The Patriots really didn't have any of the viable backup running back option, especially with Damian Harris leaving to Buffalo. The Patriots needed a backup running back to take some of the stress off Stevenson, and I think Zeke does help with that. But I don't think Zeke has much left in the tank besides short yardage and goal line situations. If you look at last season, he averaged 3.8 yards per carry, 876 rushing yards, and 12 rushing touchdowns. Only two of his rushing touchdowns from last season were 10-plus yards. He had a 10-yard rushing touchdown last year and a 14-yard rushing touchdown last season. So only two of his 12 touchdowns were 10-plus yards last year. He had seven touchdowns from the one-yard line and one touchdown from the two-yard line. So eight touchdowns inside the two. And he only reached a 1,000 rushing yards just one time In the last three seasons, he's only reached a thousand yards on the ground just one time in the last three years. So he's not the back that he once was at the beginning of his career. And obviously Dallas saw that they didn't want to pay him. He obviously got that monster contract a few years ago. They ended up wanting to move on from him. They get Tony Pollard in there. Pollard ends up being a younger back that they can build around a little bit more in that offense. Obviously he's better in the past game than Ezekiel Elliott is. Zeke still does have a big name, so obviously the Patriots now get a little bit of sizzle in their offense. You add a guy like Zeke, there's going to be more buzz around your offense, considering Zeke was a top running back in the NFL at one point, but he's not the back he once was. He's really only a short yardage and goal line back, and he might help you in those areas, but he's not going to be the back he once was at the beginning of his career. He's been aging over the last few seasons, and I don't think he's turning back time. His over-under right now is 425 rushing yards on the season according to DraftKings, and even though I think he could go over that this upcoming season, I don't think he's turning back time, and I don't think he's going to be the running back that he once was at the beginning of his career. I think the Patriots need more help at wide receiver, and then also needed even more help at offensive line. I think the offensive line was a bigger need than the running back position, and the Patriots just continued to ignore the offensive line. They just chose not to draft offensive line in the draft this past season, and I think that is a bigger need than a running back is, especially an aging running back like Ezekiel Elliott. So now I'm going to move on and talk about the Giants and how they performed in their preseason game last week against the Lions. The Giants ended up losing that game 21-16 to on Friday night. I didn't get to watch the entire game, unfortunately, since my stream didn't consistently work. But from what I saw, the Giants did play hard in that game. One thing that did really stand out was the offensive line did struggle in the snaps that I saw. One positive note was John Michael Schmitz, rookie center for the Giants. He looked very good at the center position, but the offensive line as a whole did struggle. And the Giants had backups in the game. No real starter, really starter for the Giants. Evan Neal is still coming back from a concussion. He's a guy that definitely could use more snaps in the preseason, but he didn't get to play in last week's game against Detroit. The offensive line did struggle, but for positive notes, John Michael Schmitz. And then in the defensive backroom, Giants starting safety, Jason Pinnock, played a couple drives, and stood out right away from play one, getting an interception on the first play of the game, had another pass breakup on third down, and a tackle for a loss. He looked great in two drives. And then two other defensive backs that stood out, Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks, both rookie cornerbacks for the Giants. They both played very well. Banks played great against Jamison Williams. He had 22 coverage snaps in the game, three targets, no catches allowed, and a 39.6 passer rating allowed per PFF. And then Trey Hawkins, targeted six times in the game, gave up just 30 yards, and also had five tackles. He looked very good. So those three guys there between Pinnock, Hawkins, and Banks all looked very good in the defensive backfield. At quarterback, Tommy DeVito played most of the game for the Giants, an undrafted free agent quarterback out of Illinois, also played for Syracuse as well during his college career. I liked what I saw out of DeVito. He was 15-24 passing. completion percentage, 155 yards and a touchdown. Did throw a dime of a touchdown pass, a 14-yard pass, to former Boston College tight end Tommy Sweeney. He did also throw an interception... On the last play of the game, it was fourth and long with pressure coming from Lions defensive lineman Julian Okwara. There was bad protection on the play by Wyatt Davis, and DeVito just had to get rid of it. Obviously, on fourth down, you just got to get rid of it. You don't want to take a sack on the last play of the game. It's worth a shot just throwing it in the air and seeing if anybody can get it. That obviously wasn't the case. Ends up being intercepted, but I thought DeVito played pretty well. He's obviously fighting for a spot as a practice squad quarterback for the Giants. Tyrod Taylor didn't do much in his limited snaps as the backup quarterback for the Giants. He did start this game against Detroit. Was three or four passing with seven passing yards and two carries for seven yards. He has the backup position pretty much locked up, so he didn't really seem like he was playing for much in the game. The Giants' run game did struggle, and that's because of the offensive line. James Robinson, six carries and nine yards. He had a bad game. Eric Gray, rookie running back out of Oklahoma, five carries, nine yards. He had a rough game. Jay Sean Corbin was one of the bright spots of the running back room for the Giants. The only bright spot, I should say. Three carries for 40 yards including a 33-yard run during the game. He's a guy that could make the roster, potentially. We'll see what happens with James Robinson and Matt Breeder and Gary Brightwell. Two of those four guys between Robinson, Breeder, Brightwell, and Corbin are going to make the roster. I think Corbin's probably still a practice squad candidate as of right now. But there's, there is a chance, if he does have a good game tomorrow night, there is a chance he does make this roster. And we'll see what happens with Gary Brightwell. I'm rooting for that guy to make the roster. I think he's the second-best running back on the team. It should be getting snaps just behind Saquon Barkley in the depth chart. I think it should be Saquon Bach as your lead back, obviously, and then I think Gary Brightwell is the second most talented back on this Giants team. That could be a hot take to some people, but that's just how I feel about Gary Brightwell. As though for Jay Sean Corbin, I think he could make this roster with Eric Gray struggling and James Robinson struggling, and then obviously Matt Breida being a more veteran-type back. We'll see what happens with this running back room. J. Sean Corbin does shine again tomorrow night. There's a chance he makes this roster. But with the Giants' offensive line struggling as much as they did in that game against Detroit, you can't really count on any running backs to have big games. Wyatt Davis and Corey Cunningham, who are both fighting for depth spots on the offensive line, struggled heavily in that game against Detroit. They were big reasons the Giants failed to move the ball in big situations in that game, including that last play of the game where Tommy DeVito ended up throwing interception. Cole Beasley was a solid safety blanket for the quarterback. Four catches on four targets for 33 yards. He had 28 yards after the catch. I think he makes this roster easily. The Giants play tomorrow against the Panthers at 7 p.m. on NFL Network. I think you can expect to see some of the Giants' starters play in this game considering they're getting closer to playing in the regular season. You want to get the offense some work together and build some chemistry in live reps. So I think there is a chance the Giants do play some starters tomorrow. If you look at what the Giants did last year in the second preseason game, Brian Dable played all of the starters for the first quarter and five minutes of the second quarter. So I expect the Giants to play some of their starters tomorrow. We'll see if that means Daniel Jones or not. I'll probably record another preview before the game. But if I don't, some players to watch out for include outside linebacker Tayshaun Bauer, who had five tackles in the game against Detroit, including a pass defended and a tackle for a loss. Sean Corbin, another guy to keep your eye on. And then wide receiver Bryce Ford-Wheaton. I saw him drop a pass in that game against the Lions. But I think he could be a guy that can catch some eyes in the preseason if given more opportunities. Obviously, he has the reach and the athleticism to be a wide receiver in the NFL. But we'll see if he can put it all together. I think he's more of a practice squad candidate as of now. I think Colin Johnson makes it over him. But that's a guy to keep your eye on in that game. As for some predictions, I think the Giants win this game tomorrow. If you look at Carolina, they really struggled last week against the Jets, losing that game 27 to nothing. Bryce Young, who was the first pick in this year's draft, was 4-6 passing with 21 passing yards in that game. Expect to see him get reps against the Giants tomorrow. The Giants didn't look that bad in that game against the Lions. They did end up losing, as I said, 21-16. to They did give them a touchdown with a minute and 54 seconds to go. That was the end of the game where the Lions took the lead with two minutes to go. The Giants got a chance on offense to try to go down the field with two minutes to go and three timeouts. End up feeling and obviously falling short. But I think the Giants can win that game tomorrow, especially with how poor the Panthers looked last week against the Jets. I think the Giants win that game tomorrow. I'm going to go with the Giants winning this one 24-23. to I think it'll be a close game. I think the Giants win it, though, by a point. As for some other storylines across the NFL in the preseason, the Ravens won their 24th straight preseason game dating back to the 2015 preseason. The second longest streak in preseason history was 19 straight games by the Packers that they won from 1959 to 1962. The Ravens have now won 24 straight. It doesn't really get you anything at the end of the day, but it still is crazy that they've won that many games in a row. The Ravens play the Commanders on Monday night, which will be a chance for them to get the 25th preseason win in a row. The Commanders, though, did just beat the Browns 17-15 last week. I think it'll be a close game. The Ravens did just beat the Eagles in a close game 20-19, to so they have found ways to win close games in the preseason. In that game against the Eagles, former Boston College quarterback Anthony Brown struggled in that game. I'm a big fan of A.B., was a big fan of him in his days at B.C., liked him when he was at Oregon, and then also followed him last year when he was playing for the Ravens. Even got a couple appearances there when Lamar Jackson was hurt and Tyrell Huntley was hurt as well. In that game, though, against Philly, he was 3 of 8 passing with 7 passing yards in an interception return for touchdown. Did add in four carries of 15 yards. I expect him to bounce back this week against the Commanders on Monday night. The Commanders, though, did just beat the Browns 17-15, so I think that'll be a fun game to watch on Monday. As for the Browns, they play tonight against the Eagles at 7.30 on NFL Network. I'm looking forward to seeing Dorian Thompson-Robinson again. He's looked very good in both preseason games. In his last one last week, he was 9 of 10 passing with 102 passing yards. In a touchdown, in a 17 to 15 loss there to Washington, added in three carries for 11 yards. He's the guy to keep your eye on tonight. Deshaun Watson did start that game for the Browns. It was three of three passing with 12 yards. As for the Eagles, they found a way to get even better on offense during the offseason, adding in DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. They did lose Miles Sanders in free agency, but adding in two very good running backs in Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift made their offense even better. Rashad Penny looked very good in his first game with the Eagles last week. Nine carries for 34 yards. He signed a one-year $5.75 million deal with Philly this offseason. Last year, he averaged 6.2 yards per carry for Seattle, which was the highest among running backs in the NFL. Among running backs with 100-plus attempts in 2022, he was first in yards after contact, averaging 4.23 yards after contact, and then also was first in breakaway rate, 50.9%, which was the best in the NFL last season, and now he's behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. So he's going to have even more opportunities now to shine behind a better offensive line and a better offense than he had last year in Seattle, even though Seattle did have a good offense last year with Geno Smith, D.K. Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. But with that being said, they didn't have the offensive line that Philly has. So obviously now Philly having that offensive line is going to help Rashad Penny have an even better season this year. So I think he could be a guy that you should watch out for. I think he's a very underrated fantasy addition to your lineup this season in fantasy football. And one last thing I want to mention here about Rashad Penny before I move on is that he actually averaged .23 forced missed tackles per carry last season. .23 forced missed tackles per carry last season, which was 11th best in the NFL, behind the 19th-ranked run-block offensive line in the Seattle Seahawks. Rashawn Penny's always been good at forcing missed tackles. He actually led college football in 2018 with 86 missed tackles he forced. 86 in that 2018 season. And now he's going to an offense that added DeAndre Swift as well. The Philadelphia Eagles offense is ready to roll even more this year than they were last year. And Rashad Penny's got to keep your eye on. A very elusive back that forces missed tackles and can definitely do big things. Now he's going to be on an offense that is one of the best in the game of football. He's definitely got to keep your eye on this year in fantasy football, especially as a sleeper pick later in the draft. So now I'm going to transition to talking about the Washington Commanders for just a second, who are still unsure who their week one starter is going to be. I'd imagine it's going to be Sam Howell. He was nine of 12 with 77 passing yards and a touchdown in his last preseason game against the Browns, including a 26-yard touchdown strike to second-year wide receiver Jahan Dotson. In that game, Jacoby Brissett did get snaps as well. He's a lot of experience, but I think the commanders would benefit more from going with a younger talent like Sam Howell to see what they have in him before going to a veteran guy like Jacoby Brissett. Maybe they have something in Sam Howell and then they keep Brissett just the backup quarterback there, just to have another eye in the quarterback room to give him a little bit of mentorship there. I think Sam Holland would be the better guy for them to start. Maybe see if you have it something in Sam Howell. If you don't, you go back to the drawing board next year in the NFL draft and maybe try to draft a quarterback early. Jacoby Brissett in that game was six of ten passing against the Cleveland Browns with 75 passing yards and interception, and added in two carries for 16 yards and a rushing touchdown. One play that stood out to me in week one of the preseason last week was Saints wide receiver A.T. Perry, who was a sixth-round pick out of Wake Forest to the New Orleans Saints. He's a six foot three big receiver who can go up and get it. He's a guy that definitely caught some eyes in that game, as I said, going out there and absolutely bowing out, having six catches on six targets for 70 yards in that game. Michael Thomas did play in that game for the Saints. Just had one catch for 16 yards. He's a guy that's been so injury-prone over the last few seasons, so you really can't rely on him to be the wide receiver one on that offense. I'd expect Chris Olave to still be the top receiver in that offense, even if Michael Thomas is healthy. But that's going to be an interesting offense there in New Orleans. Derek Carr, quarterback, Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, A.T. Perry— That's going to be an interesting offense to watch this upcoming season. I hope Harry does get some snaps on that offense in the regular season. I think he could be a guy that could be a difference maker for that team. So now I'm going to move on to my final segment, and that's talking about the 2024 Super Bowl halftime show. Taylor Swift got the offer to be the 2024 halftime performer, and she ends up declining that. But a lot of people are talking about it on Twitter. I don't think anybody's realized she's going to be in Tokyo from February 7th to February 10th. And that's part of her worldwide Ares tour. So that's a reason she's not going to be able to do the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is like a week or two of preparation for the halftime show. And obviously, being in Tokyo, a different time zone, and then having to fly all the way across the world to come back for the Super Bowl the next day on February 11th, wouldn't obviously make too much sense. And then you factor in how busy she's been, obviously, with the Ares tour over the last few months. And Then you also do add in the fact that she also is still re-recording albums, still has another two albums to re-record as well. So it makes sense with her declining the opportunity to be the halftime performer. And now I'm going to give you a suggestion. And if you know me... You know I'm a big One Direction fan, so it shouldn't be any surprise that my pick to be the halftime performer at the Super Bowl in 2024 is Harry Styles. Harry's at the top of the music industry right now, as is Taylor Swift as well, an absolute superstar, and I'd love to see him get this honor as the halftime performer at the super bowl if you look at it, he's coming off an album of the year win at the grammys in 2023 for harry's house so obviously he's very well respected in the industry and always has been since his one direction days as well i'm hoping they do get together one day at some point i think it is likely that they will be together one day but it won't be right now because of how big harry is on his own in a solo career, but I think Harry does deserve the honor to be the halftime Super Bowl performer this year in 2024. He is my pick. We'll see, obviously, what happens, but I just wanted to give in my thoughts before we end up knowing in the next few weeks who the halftime Super Bowl performer will be. Anyways, I will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it, and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you. Take it easy, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.